Trek Companion. This is episode 280. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Discovery's third season episodes, Sukal and There Is a Tide. Here we go. Sukal, season three, episode 11. Original release date, December 24th, 2020. Directed by Norma Bailey, written by Anne Kofel Saunders. Guest cast include Oded Fair as Charles Vance, Ian Alexander as Gray Tall, Blue Del Barrio as Adira Tall, Bill Irwin as Sukal, Janet Kidder as Osira, Tig Notaro as Jet Reno, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwakchun as Gen Reese, Oyen Oladehu as Joanne Oshkun, Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Ava Blackwell as Ina, Raven Dauda as Tracy Pillard, Jenny Jacinto as The Monster, Fabio Tassone as Brooks Ship Computer, and Robert Verloc as Kelpian Elder Hologram. Discovery detects a life sign on a starship in the radioactive Verubian Nebula, and Saru suggests this could be the child of one of the starship scientists. They jump there to investigate and find a planet made primarily of dilithium inside the nebula. Saru, Burnham, and Colbert transport to the planet, leaving Tilly in command of Discovery. On the planet, the away team find themselves inside a complex holographic simulation designed by the scientist to raise and protect the child. Michael, if you can hear me, I'm in the nebula. Book? Whatever just happened down there, you can't let it happen again. It nearly caused another burn. So cold. He caused the burn. How? Bodies adapt. All this dilithium and subspace radiation. His cells acclimatized to it in utero as they divided. But he was only a child. Then something must have happened to trigger him. I have to pull you all out now. I'm in a, I'm in a stable pocket, but it won't be stable for long. Meet me at the rendezvous point. Osiris here. Osiris. Michael. I must ask the impossible. I need you to stay. Captain. If we leave Sukal alone, it is only a matter of time before the burn happens again. With your Xeno anthropological skills. What? But it has to be you. I am the captain. He responded to you when you sang, you have a connection with him. All right. I just want to get this out of the way now. It's just absolutely absurd. Uh, like, I, I literally laughed out loud to hear... Ensign Tilly, please report to the bridge, like, to be captain. You know, because it starts with the ensign part. <laughs> I can't get, right, I can't get right. over it. It's like, this sounds like a, it's like a joke thing, but it's not a joke. Ah, so, anyway, but that is what it is. They should just, just promote her then. I don't know. Anyway, um, Steve, let's go. All right. So we kind of had a reprieve from the ongoing story a bit in the last couple episodes where it was a two-parter that took us away for the 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 story of how they wrote uh, wrote Michelle Yeoh's character off the show and so on. And, and that was kind of a nice reprieve. And now we're back to this stuff again. And uh, so we're, we're getting closer. We learn about the origin of the burn. We knew it was coming. We, of course, know before they know, which is not good. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on here. I, I th- some, some of the same issues I have with many, much of the other parts of the season and the series hold up, hold true here as well. A lot of it is, it's like they're telling me what to feel and perceive versus making me feel and perceive it. And one example is 
this whole notion of Saru is not objective in this situation, right? Because he, you know, because this is his species of people and so on and so forth. And I, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel that happening. It's just kind of like they decide to say, I don't know. I don't think you're objective here. And they make this big to do of it. And then they have to make a story around that notion versus there being evidence of him clearly making decisions affected by this that are not reasonable and so forth. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not a huge thing, but it's another example of that kind of thing where they they like come up with some idea and then they try to deliver it instead of organically coming to it through you know the behaviors of the characters and then you end up in that situation. Another is to some extent the the notion of you know um, gr- you know gray tall comes back in visual form to uh, Adira tall and so forth and it's a, a big to do. And I, I, I mean, that's fine. I just, the, all, all along, to me, it was like not, it's completely a natural thing, given what we know of Trill, that um, you would be able to, uh, you know, in, in, at least in your own mind, see, perceive a previous host. In this case, it's someone very close close to them. And so they they go with that, but then it, it just, it just, it gets out of control. Like, wow, this character's back. It's, again, it's another example of, you you just told me what to feel instead of bring, making me feel it by bringing it come about naturally. What so, was that character's reason for for leaving? She explains it, and I I wasn't sure. I don't I don't even remember exactly. Um, but like one one day that that you know that character's there and and we're seeing that character and then they're not and I don't know. So um, anyway, I mean it's a small thing perhaps and. It's not really to the point of this episode, but you know, it, it's they're moving things along. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't really feel like the pace of this was weird in the sense that they were just buying time. You know, it's like they have to tell parts of the story and get to it, but it does, it does take a long time to get to the point in this holographic world. And by the time they're, they realize, oh my gosh, this is why the burn happened. We all knew what's going. We all knew what was happening. I literally thought, like, when they're like, oh, this is where the burn happened. I was like, wait. We just found that's where this the line is. We just found the location of the burner, where the origin or something. I'm like, wait, I thought we already knew that. I thought that's why we came here because we traced it to that right. ship or something. They, I, they knew that maybe the location, but not the reason. And maybe they're implying they understand okay. what specifically what happened or something. No, but they but... said that when they got there, like, like before, before the little mini burn thing happened with the kid. I don't know. Right, okay. right. That yeah, that's a bit confusing. Anyway, a lot of convoluted stuff. Um, the usual. Anyway, those are my those are my first takes. Yeah, there was there was a point with Tilly, and, and I like the character of Tilly. I'm on record as saying I like her. I think she's she's a cool, unique character. She's unlike characters we've seen on the other shows. If anything, she's like characters that have certainly never been leads. You know, she's like a Barkley or something who's never been a lead. You know, it gives uh, an ordinary schmo like me some hope, but. Putting her as a captain and when she's an ensign is just it's just silly. But even like she's, I, I haven't seen this episode in almost a year, right? And she has that line to Asira. She says, "You will not take this ship or anyone on it, not now or ever." And I was thinking, isn't that what happens in like five minutes? <laughs> I must be wrong because that would be silly for her to say that. And then right. happened, I was like, oh. they just sabotage the whole thing by doing that, you know. <laughs> uh. Uh, so yeah, she's 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 kind of wrong. Um, Adam, what, what were your thoughts? I do agree with you about Tilly. I think I mentioned it in the previous episode. It's like um, I I don't understand the command structure on um, Discovery at all. 
you know, you have Saru and you have Burnham, and then I don't really know what anybody else's rank is, how they how they fit in the command structure. I'm not even really sure who the engineer of the ship is, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so they never really formulated that structure that that you get from all the other Star Treks, so like you know, right down the line. I mean, it doesn't even you go back to Deep Space Nine. Cisco wasn't even a captain for a long time. He was just commander, but you understood he was in charge. Um, Kira was in second command, you know. So you had you had this command structure. That's so, to me, it makes it feel silly that you make Tilly the first officer. But I guess it makes sense because we have no idea who the first officer would be after Burnham. I mean, it's just kind of you must just have a uh, you know a ship full of ensigns that are all the same rank. So I was just going to say, wouldn't everybody one? else in the bridge at ranker? Yeah, that's what I would think. Mm. Wouldn't there be some lieutenants or even lieutenant commanders? I'm like, so they don't have, so I guess you don't have that conflict. I mean, maybe that would have been interesting if she got uh, promoted above somebody else. They could have had that, maybe that well, little she, character Well, she would outrank any cadets that might have been trapped on board right. when they went to the future vet. So, so, I mean, so for those of you out there who um, might understand, might not understand why we're, this is weird to us, is, this is why, because there's, there's no organization on the ship beyond um, Saru and Burnham. Um, and that's just weird for Star Trek. Um, but there's, the, that happens a lot in Discovery. There's just this we- there are these weird oddities. As far as I, how I felt about this episode, I guess I didn't feel good or bad. It's just a progression of the you know the storyline that we've got going on here. But I think I mentioned this even before too. It's like I do feel like this season is more structured than the first two so you know like you said we had our little tangent that we went off with Giorgio for a couple episodes you know in the previous two seasons you had three or four episodes where they went off doing something completely something else so to me I guess it kind of feels more (laughs) more normal this episode I'm not going to say it's good or bad I'm not going to say like oh the you know this explanation that they've come up with the burn is good or bad I'm I guess I'm kind of, I feel like I'm indifferent because I'm not like a huge fan of the storyline anyway. So why not go with this as opposed to something else? Uh, I don't know. So overall the, the pacing, I, I agree with you, Stephen. the overall, the pacing of the, the episode's good. It moves, it doesn't drag here or there. So structurally it's good. Um, it looks cool. There's cool effects. Um, but overall, I wouldn't say I was blown away one way or another. I did finish that book. Um, the, the book that's the, the year that she was alone before Discovery showed up. And I enjoyed it more than any episode or storyline of the three years so far of this show. <laughs> I, I liked it, you know, and it, and it did, it, it also, it like, it made me feel better about that thing that I complained a lot about where like the show is just saying everything that happened in all the other Star Treks doesn't matter because no matter how great they were to try and make the universe a better place, this burn thing was just going to happen and destroy it all. Anyway, the book kind of had this whole, I don't know, C storyline where she's investigating the history of the Federation. And it talks about, goes into detail about things that happened with the Federation that where the Federation was on a decline. And it was just that the burn, they were just in a bad spot already and they couldn't come back from the burn, which, I mean, it's still, you know, fundamentally is this is a similar thing, but it was a lot better than just, I don't know the way this the way the show portrays it as one minute it's next gen and the next minute it's the apocalypse. I don't know, and I, of course you have more time in a novel, but it was just it was like, gosh, you know, I just wish, I wish they were a little bit less concerned with you know flashy, you know, special effects and all the craziness and just five more minutes on story and character. 
See, I think that would have been a, more, a far more interesting um, season in, instead of having, you know, this burn that just wipes out all the all warp travel. Just have the Federation not exist really anymore. You know, like you were talking about, Brian, it was on You said it was on its decline. And so the Federation has collapsed. And, you know, a lot of things when they collapse, sometimes they, they they're reborn. So that would have been a far more interesting story to explore. Like, why did the Federation collapse? Why was it in decline? You know, like all empire you know most all empires fall so to speak so it's like why did that fall and that would have been an interesting i think that would have been a more interesting storyline but that's just me i literally had in my notes something similar to something you let off with steve multiple times where i felt like the audience us were way ahead of the episode stuff about you know uh, the origins of the burn also something as simple as <laughs> like three literally three scenes into them meeting some Federation training hollow person before they're like, the doctor created this whole world to raise her son. I'm like, wait, how did, that was like the very first person you saw. Why didn't you understand? Right. We, we like knew a, that. A Just, pack of idiots or whatever it is. <laughs> that's, like, that's silly. Maybe they, maybe they changed it, the, the cut that screwed with the edit or something that was supposed to be the first scene. I don't think so, but that was kind of, you know, so there were several times when I just felt like, and we've talked about that once you're ahead of the episode, once, you know, it's like, wait, you just needed to catch up. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, that, that kind of thing, I, I, I think it's, it's better to not understand how the characters know what they know than it is the alternative. I mean, we've seen plenty of that stuff before. And, and sometimes you can comment on that too. I think the original series was full of that, right? There would be stuff where they, they, Kirk can leap to conclusions like he's somehow ahead of everybody all the time and it makes no sense, but that works better than everyone's an idiot. You know, like, why do I know all this stuff before they do? And that's, they're there. That doesn't, that doesn't help anything. And this is, I mean, this is, this idea has been done before. It was done in next gen with um, Riker when he, he's beams down and there's this child that's lives in this hollow world that tries to keep him trapped there. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that made me think about that episode. That this hasn't been done before. I because at first I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting concept. Then I'm like, oh wait, this has been done before, but I guess it's different. You know, how how can somebody survive in a rate a highly radioactive environment for roughly what 125 years? Is, is that what they were saying? It's been there that long. I guess Kelpians have a long lifespan. Long lifespans, and nobody was there to explain to him the what is the thing they go through the culling or whatever. Must have gone through that a long time ago. Right. Yeah. See, some, some of this stuff is illogical. You know, they choose a Kelpian to be this character. But... Why not just put him in stasis until, I mean, that would have taken a lot less computer power, right? If there's some kind of, instead of running this mm -hmm. massive hardware sure. program. I don't know. No, no pesky burns involved either and stuff. You know? Yeah, would have avoided the burn. I don't remember if we get more details in the final episode that we haven't watched in a while. But just, there's just something about. He his DNA was altered in utero so that he has a connection to this dilithium planet and yeah, some some kind of nonsense. Yes, and made all the dilithium that wasn't yes. at this planet explode. Yeah, it's it's just like a future computer going back in time. Darwin, so. you know, natural kind of evolutionary things. <laughs> all right. Is it is it is it any better or worse than the season two? You know, plot line. You know, a computer that advanced. Yeah, and is coming back to. Oh, well, you know, sphere data, AI, computer, robot dude, still with us as we see at the end of the next episode. But you know, I'm saying negative things here because there's, you know, I'm still having hard times 
with the show, a hard time with the show. But there's a lot of good stuff about it. I probably enjoyed this episode more this time than I did the first time I saw it. In fact, I'm sure I did. You know, I still have the questions like we've just said, you know, what actually exactly caused the burn and why wouldn't the dilithium there also have been destroyed? I don't know. But I don't recall if we get a good explanation. I just didn't follow. Well, I think I've, to your point, Brian, I, I think I've enjoyed this season more this time around because, you know, we've talked about this numerous times with the show. It's like they suffer from trying to pack too much into an episode. And I think this episode suffers from that. Now, not only we're we going through the Tilly thing and her evolution and then what's going on with Osiris. And then you have the main, what's really, how did the burn happen? What's this kid? So you, you basically yeah. have kind of like three different things going it is on. stuffed, yeah simultaneously in you know the 40 roughly 40 or 50 minutes i don't like that little moment when osira first starts talking to tilly and she's i mean she sounds like a cadet the way she responds to her it's all i mean yeah that's how we would feel but we're not hundreds of years in the future evolved i don't know it just made me think yeah she's an ensign she she doesn't have the wisdom and experience that you would expect a captain to have so she's responding like a petty i don't know it didn't it, it seemed a little off to me again i really like tilly but and i guess i don't need to keep beating up on tilly well i mean there are a lot of obvious plot lines in this episode that that they put in there just to make the story go i mean i i did it didn't make sense to me that they would um go to the planet before the ship was repaired i mean like why would you you know it's four hours just wait till the ship's completely repaired because they needed four hours to repair the the shields repair the shit because there wasn't anything imminent going on the planet that they needed to be down there right at that minute. So that didn't make sense to me, but that was so they could facilitate all this other stuff that was going on. Um, so sometimes I, I feel like things are forced and then they, they become transparent. So to your point, Steve, you know, we're always kind of ahead of the, um, you know, the characters or even the storyline. i say some positive things. I like this when they beamed in and all of a sudden the, you know, they're like Saru is human and, and she's, or he's Bajoran, right? She was Trill, yeah. And they're in this snowy area, and they're wearing these crappy old coats, and so what's going on? And there's a very satisfying answer to that that we get a little while later. I like that. I like the design of this half-crumbling building thing and the metaphor that it is. The lullaby bit was when, when Saru is like, sitting on the ground and kind of looking up lovingly at the elder and the elders singing the lullaby. That was, that seemed, that was maybe just a step too far is like, okay. But, and as always, I, I love, still love the look of the show. The music's always great. Um, so there, there were things in this episode. I like, I like that we saw for the first time, Adira tall. Why do I have such a hard time remembering that name for the first time we saw Adira tall kind of take some action and, uh, you know, beam down at the last second, taking a risk there. There's good stuff in here. I like book. Is this the one where they, no, that's the next one where they say, I, live. Yeah. I, I like book uh, as a character. I think he's interesting. He's cool. I still feel like they don't know what to do with him. They use him like a fifth wheel. And it's, that felt exactly like that in this episode. I don't know. In the next episode too, but I do like him. I'm, I'm excited to see what they could do with him in the next season. What's this episode about? A lot of this episode, you know, is it deals with the main timeline um, that's going on through this season. So if I was to pinpoint what, you know, like there's different things going on, but if I was to pinpoint 
what's kind of the main heart of this. It's to me, it's Saru. This is the emotional thing they've been kind of setting up a little bit for the last couple episodes. You know, you mentioned that they kind of had this drama, like, are you, you can't go down because you're too emotionally connected. To me, it just made total sense for him to go down there. He's, his one of his own species is down there. So who else would understand that better than him? So anyway, getting beyond that, that to me, that's the emotional connection that this episode is, is pulling for is the longing for home and for connection. I think that's what they're, they're trying to kind of say with Saru. When you get into the Tilly storyline, I don't really know what they're trying to say there with her being captain and kind of, they just kind of set her up. They didn't do her character a lot of favors. They kind of set her up for failure. Maybe that's because down the line, she kind of has the last laugh on Osira. But in this episode, I don't know what they're really trying to say with that, but that's what I kind of took from this. It's, you know, the connection to your home and to your homeland was with Saru. I think that was the main emotional thing that I got what they were trying to say. I think what, like they so often do is they, they're trying to stuff, like we said, they're trying to stuff too much in. And if there's not enough in common with all these elements, I have trouble coming up with something definitive on what, what they're trying to say with it. I mean, I agree that Saru is a, is certainly a focal, a focal point here and him going down this whole notion of, okay, he's, he's biased. He's emotionally connected to this and all that but in the grand scheme such a small percentage of the episode is dedicated to that because you have all these other things you're trying to juggle and so it i don't really feel like it delivers in in that it makes makes me feel like there's some cohesive theme throughout the episode in any any fashion really basically it just kind of progresses our our chain here yeah (laughs) yeah. it's what this main episode is about is it's um you know it's kind of like the first act in our our resolution of this season all right, let's do six degrees for Sukal. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. When this episode was first announced, it had a different title. Was that The Citadel, Lullaby, or Sukal Has an Owie? <laughs> well, I don't know. A lullaby? Nope. I thought that was pretty good, huh? That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. I made that up. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I like that. I like that better than Citadel or uh, Sukal, so... <laughs> Good it job. was not Sukal has an alley. It was the Citadel. Uh, yeah, they did officially say that was the name. You know, when they they have that list, as it comes like months before, they did huh. they did announce that as a title, and then when it came out, it had to. All right. All right, moving on. There is a tide. Season three, episode twelve. Original release date December thirty first, two thousand twenty. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Written by Kenneth Lynn. Guest cast include Oded Fair as Charles Vance, Noah Averbach Katz as Rin, Janet Kidder as Osira, Kenneth Mitchell as Aurelio, Annabelle Wallace as Zora, Jake Weber as Zara, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwok Chun as Gen Reese, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Oshakun. Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Brendan Beiser as Eli, Lisa Berry as Kanak, Ava Blackwell as Ina, Vanessa Jackson as Audrey Willa, Darren Lee as Timo, and Fabio Tesson as Book's ship computer. Osira poses as an under-attack discovery with blocked communications, and Vance decides to let the ship through the Federation shields. Burnham and Book use the perilous transwarp network to reach Federation headquarters in time to crash land on Discovery before the shields close. Osiris sends Zira to investigate and he captures Book while Burnham escapes unseen. 
Book is kept hostage with the bridge crew, and Reigns Stamets is interrogated by scientist Alirio, who plans to replicate Discovery's spore drive. Get a message to the Viridian to reduce firepower to 6%. If they keep hitting this hard, they'll blow a real hole in us, and then all their subterfuges point us. Yes, sir. Hailing the Viridian now. Any word from Captain Saru? Their comms are being jammed. How long has Discovery been under attack, and why didn't we sit in our long-range sensors? They jumped into range with the Viridian attached. Syrah found a way to compromise the mycelial field. Seems so. Both vessels baryonic residue consistent with signatures from the Veruba Nebula. Shut down all non-essential comms channels and find out which ones have been compromised. Yes, sir. She was waiting for them like an Altarian spider. Lieutenant Timo, any communications with Discovery yet? Nothing. How long before they reach our shields? Three minutes. Shall we let them in, sir? Adam, kick us off on There is a Tide. Well, it starts off, it kicks off right, you know, where we end, uh, ended from the last episode. So these these last three just really do, they feel like a continuously one kind of, one kind of episode. I, I don't know about that, because you texted me earlier today, hey, should we discuss these as one or two? I really feel like this one is a little bit more standalone. We literally don't even see any of uh, the, the lithium, or the planet, right? The, the nebula, all that stuff. This Isn't this whole episode just at the... In Discovery and in the Federation, or excuse me, Starfleet spot. I don't know. It, it felt it felt a little bit more standalone than than that to me. I would uh, I would call it more of the second act of this three parter right. that we've got right. going on here. Um, I, I say you know it, it's definitely its own. I mean that's what I, that's what I said. You know, the first act we saw the first act in the last. This is the second act. And we have a third act, so that's kind of what I mean. It's it's definitely in its own thing going on, but it's part of this continuous chain. So I'm just saying, you know, we jump right. We're, you know, we don't, there's no skipping a beat between this episode and the last episode where we're at in the action. So, you know, they're going through the transport, the effect, you know, we, I, I, I have nothing but great things to say about the effects and the look about the shield, the, the show, <laughs> the shields, um, um, book and Burnham, um, getting onto discovery. It's, 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 it's kind of thrilling, you know, it kind of keeps you, they're going to get there, you know, so that's, it's that kind of fun action to kind of open the, the show. Then we get in there, and you know the the big kind of the the big kind of surprise is Osira wants to make a deal with the Federation, which I kind of I find interesting. I think it's a it it was I think it surprised me a little bit the first time I watched it. Obviously not this time, but I was kind of surprised they kind of made that choice and they went through all this centrifuge. And I think the reason that is is because we don't really know Osiris that much. We've only kind of seen her as the villain. The, you know, just the one-dimensional villain. We don't really know what her motives are other than just being a gangster. So I think that's why that kind of surprised me that she kind of posed this piece, which makes her, an, it makes what now makes her an interesting character. I don't know if they're going to do anything with her going forward in, in the next, in the next season or whatnot, but it does make her an interesting character and it makes this whole proposition an interesting thing going forward can they reform the federation can they kind of have maybe not what they used to have but something new so I, I i like that choice that they made here um and then obviously just what's going on in discovery you know you know trying to take back the ship it's kind of what you know what we kind of see we've seen many many times before on star trek you know burnham she's going through the ship she's getting in night fights and you know blasting people out airlocks so you know it's that kind of that fun action thing are they going to be able to take over the ship obviously we don't get a clear view of that in this episode that kind of goes into the the final episode so action wise it's kind of fun you know fun romp it's got good pacing as far as action adventure goes um and like i said um the first time i watched it it was 
surprised. I, I was pleasantly surprised by that choice they made with Osira. So that's how I felt about it before. That's how I feel about it now. Steve, your first thoughts? Yeah, I I don't think this is fantastic, but I I, I kind of like this episode, and I think it's because it's got it's got a, a lot of good elements in terms of keeping it interesting, and you know you know it's there, there's a lot of action, and there you know there's people trying to get their ship back and whatnot, um, but the, but really this notion of uh, Osira coming with this deal and working with Vance on on this thing, and then ultimately the the reveal of what he gets to this notion of, okay, then if you're sincere, then it's not involving you in power and all this, what you've done historically. And I think that speaks to a, a truth about people that crave power. I think it's this idea that, okay, if you're really serious about this thing, then you're not involved in the end game here, that this is because it's the right thing to do and the right thing to do for or- the organizations involved, not because it does something for you. And I think this is a lot for, um, you know, politics, for example, in general, it speaks to that thing what we're dealing with. And so I think I thought it was a kind of a unique twist on it. And it, and it kind of gets to the, gets to the point, you know, he, he's, I, I like the character of Vance and I like, um, it's one, an aside, it's one of the rare uses, I think of them using curse words in the show that I think is fun and clever, how they, how he kind of just pops that on her in terms of eating that <laughs> apple. Um, but uh, I like him. I like how he confronts uh, Osira and where they go with that. And so, you know, this, this has, this has any number of things that there's, there's some cliches in here. There's some things we've seen before, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, th- I think it, it, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. And, and there, there is, there is something that they're, they're trying to convey here in, in what they, how they confront Osira and her proposition. For a little while, it feels a little odd that, you know, she's, She's literally brought an armistice agreement, and we have multiple shots where we go back into the the room with Vance and, and the Syrah. You know, and if, if that was going to end with him signing the thing, then well, it's kind of boring. We wouldn't need to have violence on the ship to retake it and all that. It, it, so it seems a little bit at odds. I feel like maybe those scenes should have been more. I wouldn't have felt that way if the, if it had been clearer that there was no this, there was no way this was going to happen. I don't know. I mean, as far as the armistice goes, but no, I think is like you know they this is the first time we hear about the the president of the federation. Yeah, that's ever been mentioned and they're, oh they're not here. I'm like, well, the, why even mention the president of the federation? Just keep it with because that kind of makes it confusing. I'm like, okay, there's a president. Where's who's the president? Where are they at? You know, I wanted it to be like. Oh, oh no! We have we have a president. Sure, he's he's busy right, right this second, but we definitely have one. There's there's absolutely a president, and we've got him or her. A sentient person is the president. Certainly, you got some emotional in here. With um, you get a lot of good emotion with Burnham having to eject Stamets. Obviously, he's you know he's yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. I didn't quite follow why would it have been such a bad thing when Stamets is like, let's go back right now. Why would that have been so terrible? I, I didn't follow that. Did I miss something there? So he was he was proposing wasn't his his whole motivation to get back to that planet because yeah. the people he cares about are there, right? right. And so and he wanted to do the black alert and jump there, right? Which yeah, if he can do that with if he can override the I, I didn't I didn't fully I didn't fully understand how that works. Can he do that without what if they lock out controls and things like that or if he can he go in there by himself and not They didn't any... they didn't have him go try and fail. No. They had they, they had Burnham neck pinched him. 
And then yes. Burnham ejected him from the ship. This was right. They, they very consciously made it be a big dramatic deal that like Burnham is saying, if we go that we are somehow risking all of the all of Starfleet or something. I mean, I just I didn't follow how one was related to the other. No, you're right. You're right. I, I mean, I, I guess her point was is that they didn't have control of the ship. And I think that's maybe where she was coming from. That's kind of how I took it. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't have control of the ship. If we jump back there, we might not get back control of the ship. And then, you know, so that's kind of how I, I kind of understood it is that we need to get you I'm out of here. So much sure get, I see how like one is connected to the other, but okay. Well, I, I yeah, I definitely think it's convoluted. I, I don't fully understand why, why okay so he thinks that and why that wouldn't work and why she thinks the yeah it, it's it's unclear there's the you know it's one of those things that this the show suffers from is that there's a lot of convoluted elements and all of a sudden it's like okay why are we doing this you're just telling me what to think or feel right and it also doesn't do a lot for either character really because on one hand the way they the way they spin it it makes stamets kind of just all about his personal life and Burnham all about just, I'm going to, I don't care about my relationship with people. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. So I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's like it is. It's what it is. I mean, it's, we know why Stamets isn't first officer. He kind of, he gets emotional every time mm. something doesn't go his way. I mean, even, even in the last episode, he freaked out when Colbert was just going to be on the away team to go to this planet. You're on a starship. You got a job to do. Sometimes you got to put yourself in danger. And I, I kind of think they repeat this with Stamets a little too much, where he kind of freaks out all the time. It's the same kind of big picture, like forced drama thing that I don't like. If a cyber really wanted to reach this agreement, I mean, why wouldn't she have just come there and said, you know, knocked on the door and said, let's talk? I mean, or send a you know emissary instead like, hey, of we wanna- massive subterfuge, stealing discovery, having her ship fire on discovery so that she can sneak inside. I mean, I didn't. I don't know. She can have an audience with them anytime she wants. She shows up at the Kelpian homeworld, and Starfleet's there to protect it. There's hailing frequencies open. How's it going? Let's talk. I mean, I don't know. I didn't quite follow all of that. If anything, you would think they'd be less open to hearing her say, I want peace, after she started the conversation by stealing a ship and taking people hostage and sneaking her way inside of the headquarters. Well, the manufactured drama element is something they just they do all the time here. I mean, in fact, they do it so often that you kind of just get accustomed to it or something almost. I mean, you're right. Yeah. When you start analyzing it, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. I mean, she sure. could deliver this notion she could send a raven and yeah they, you know and, and then they just like okay let's really meet oh you're serious okay let's do this thing so yeah the, the whole way she shows up there and does it is unnecessary and ridiculous i, I mean i think that's true there, that, that, there's that's that's one a consistent problem here yeah and I, I don't know i mean maybe they're doing this intentionally just for like of course this is never going to happen we're not going to sign something you know when you've got us one arm tied behind her back. I don't know. You would think an armistice like this, something this big, this would take a lot of back and forth, not just one person showing up and say, here, I, this is, I've written this down. If you sign it, we're good to go. You know, it's just something that would take weeks or months, not 10 minutes. I don't know. Again, if I, if I, if I could just, I say again, but I'm not sure I've said this before, but there, there are definitely times when I'm like, I wish I could turn my brain off a smidge and I could <laughs> probably enjoy this more. 
but I do. I I liked a lot of stuff in here. I I liked. I always liked the way it looks. But you know, I agree. I like fans. I like. It feels in a way like they gave him more to do. They gave him good things to do, like character specific things. Like other characters, I don't think would have reacted the same way that he did when she presented him with this notion of peace. And then also, you know, he came up with the idea of her needing to be the one to, you know, stand trial and making insisting on that. So there's there's definitely good stuff in there, but well, I think we're, I think we've kind of all kind of we're all kind of complained in different ways about Osira and kind of and they've they've they try to set her they try to fit all of her character into this episode where there's a lot going on. Like I said previously, where we've seen her, it's just been brief, and then you know she's just been kind of just the one dimensional villain. The times that we've seen her before in this episode, what we have the other scientist who's trying to convince Stamets that she's this good person and that he, she saved you. So, and then by the end of this episode, she's murdering somebody. So it's like, what is the, you know, she's presenting an armistice. She's like, okay, there's not going to be any slavery. So the character literally is all over the map in this episode and it makes it feel uneven. And if they were going to use her as as important if they were going to make her an as such an important character in these last couple of episodes, they should have spent some more time earlier earlier on trying to set her up so we can kind of figure out what she is and who she is. So that would be my complaint, my main complaint about her and what they did with her in this episode. Last thing I want to ask about Burnham and Book say I love you to each other, and then Book doesn't have much to do the rest of the episode, but I'm fine with it. I think it's a I believe her and I believe him. And maybe some of that is I read that novel. <laughs> it helps. It helps show how their relationship developed a lot. But that's that's kind of nice and that's pretty So I I agree with you, Brian. I so the first time I watched this I liked I liked the I liked book and I liked the chemistry between them and watching this the second time around it reaffirms it because sometimes maybe we were just happy not to see um Tyler anymore. So just anybody <laughs> <laughs> else would have been good but no they're, they're they, both really they good. literally have a rapport like book and yeah. book and burnham you know, sure. the way they kind of joke with each other and stuff there's something they have a chemistry there i literally never felt that way between her and her and, and uh, I, know, I know you were saying they were it seems like they're having a hard time figuring out what to do with book but i feel like book does has done so much done a lot at least he takes initiative on his own we never really knew what tyler did they never really gave him anything to do at least they give book something to do that kind of moves the plot line along like okay let me go rescue these people or you know you know he has things that actually affect the storyline yeah i like i like it i thought it was natural and not convoluted and they didn't spend a whole lot of time on it and yeah all right what's this episode about i felt the the core of it was the this notion that i was talking about with with the the role that kind of power plays and ego plays and in because i think i think the, i think the center of it like, like always they don't they don't do enough really to reinforce it throughout all the different elements of the story but it's it's in that the osira and vance and the whole conversation and him getting to the notion that to establish an, a new world a new peace or whatever this you you can't you can't um you've got to have some kind of um accountability for the past and and deal with it and uh i think they address that pretty well again there's a lot going on all of these episodes have a lot going on too much going on you know that don't all speak to the the core matter but i do think it's pretty clear what the core of this episode is and 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 i thought i thought that was an interesting take on it the way they their their dialogue and where it ended up 
I'd agree with you, Steve. I mean, it's kind of been a theme going throughout the season, a little bit more early on, you know, the, the, what is it, for lack of a better word, the majesty of, of, you know, Starfleet and the Federation, you know, the, what it was and what it was to the universe, you, you know, it's almost religious, like with, you know, Burnham early on in the season. And it kind of culminates in this because he doesn't take the deal and it's about, you know, their, their convictions and their beliefs that he doesn't take that deal until, um, Osira, you know, steps aside. So I would agree. All right, let's do six degrees for there is a tide. Adam? Yes. Kenneth Mitchell plays Aurelio, the scientist that seems to mostly think that Osira is an all-around righteous dudette. He previously played the adult son of Volk and Laurel in Discovery's second season episode through the Valley of Shadows. What was the character's name? Was it Tuvok, Tenevek, or Bugs Bunny? Tuvok A. Nope, it was Tenevek. Tenevek, right. Again, I did a great job. Look at that. Shut us out. I'm so impressed with myself for making up the wrong answers. Pretty good. <laughs> ah. Very clever, Brian. Yes, thank you. We got uh, Discovery Season 4 full-on trailer trailer. I did watch that. It looks good. You know, it looks it looks pretty. And I'm definitely excited to see Burnham as a captain. You know, but it is like some mystery anomaly threatens the entire galaxy and that's what the whole season's going to be about and I'm like okay yep, right. yep, same old, it's, same it's old, clear same that the I'm, I'm not going to get what I want out of a Star Trek show until hopefully Strange New Worlds if they have a, give us a trailer for Strange New Worlds and it's <laughs> something threatens the whole galaxy and the entire season is focusing on it and I'm going to be so disappointed but I don't think that's what's going to happen I think they're actually going to make you know like anyway first contacts and whatever when does discovery start? Uh, it's. I think it's the Thursday before Thanksgiving, like a week before Thanksgiving in the States. That sounds right. I think that's true, yeah. So my guess is two weeks from now we're going to finish uh, – that's not my guess. That's what we're going to do. Two weeks from now we're going to finish Discovery Season 3. And then maybe we'll do maybe – maybe we should do the short treks two weeks later just to hold this over so that we can then pick up Discovery Season 4 as it goes. Yeah, something like that. Maybe yeah. Maybe we can do the short treks – did, are they doing any going out of this season? No, no, I don't think they're going to do any more. Because they have enough stuff now to fill in nearly every gap. That, in that's time the only reason it. they really did the short tracks. Steve, you've been watching Lower Deck season two? Yep. Mm-hmm. I liked it better in season one. I mean, I, cool. I think there's only one episode left, but yeah. Yeah, I'm planning to restart my Paramount Plus subscription uh, for Prodigy in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm sure I'll watch all of Lower Deck Season 2 when I do that. I, I, I did watch like the very first episode because I had a little bit of leftover on my Paramount Plus, but um, I'm sure I'll binge Lower Deck Season 2 in a couple of weeks. How many episodes? 10? I think Season 2 has 10 episodes in Lower, De- in Lower Deck Season 2, I think. Yeah. Are you guys excited at all about uh, Prodigy? Eh. I mean, I'm not... I'm curious and I'll watch it, of course. But... Prodigy. Prodigy curious. Mm-hmm. What is it? I'm gonna take that as a no, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the show with the, the the animated show intended targeting kids that has the holographic Janeway that premieres in two and a half weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's we found out. I mean, this was announced or officially at the New York Comic Con. Another character that's going to be on the show. Can I say this? 
If it was announced at the thing, the convention, yes. Okay, so if you don't want to hear this, skip ahead about 60 seconds. Chakotay, as, as a Captain Chakotay, Robert Beltran is doing his doing the voice, so we know there must be some kind of a connection to the Alpha Quadrant, even though the show takes place in the Delta Quadrant somehow. So that's that, that piqued my interest. I mean, I'm excited. Sure, I, I, I want to hear Beltran do Chakotay as much as the next guy, but mostly it piqued my interest. I'm like, oh, there's gonna, it's not, this isn't going to just be 100% stuck in the Delta Quadrant start to finish. There's got to be some kind of an Alpha Quadrant connection. So that was cool. All right, I think I'm about to hit my 60 seconds, so... All right, so we're going to be back in two weeks to finish out Discovery's third season with that final episode. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.